Hi, all you quarantine cats and kittens. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. This is the A to Z podcast. A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Our sponsors, as always, been with us a long time um, and still with us in this tough time. Uh, American Fireworks, Cleveland Scene, and the Honeymoon Grill. Um, what a week it's been as this goes on. We're over a month um, in terms of everyone being cooped up and dealing with these difficult circumstances in uh, different ways. Um, we had our first holiday under quarantine. <laughs> we will talk a little bit, bit about that. Oh, I saw God. Andre for the first time <laughs> in two months for about 30 seconds. Uh, we'll get to that story. Um, yeah, Dre, so like, uh, what the hell's going on in your life? Uh, same thing going on. Every, I'll, same thing going on. Everybody else's uh, happy Easter. Um, happy month into this quarantine thing. Uh, who knows? Maybe eight more months of it. Maybe two more months. <laughs> Just, uh, you'll have to see. It's, uh, I'll admit something. I'm going to be up front and up and I'm, I'm mighty positive in life. And I'm, I'm and I think if you listen to this podcast, you know that if you're new here, some words get said sometimes, but I, I'm a glad, I would like to think of myself, and I don't like to be stereotyped in any way uh, or any form, but stereotyping happens. We all know that. And there's a lot of truth to stereotypes, unless you're Kyle uh, Newman or whatever that guy is. That Kyle Larson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Larson Newman. All those NASCAR guys got the same name. I'm, I'm joking. Um, I got to admit, last week, has been, last week, week and a half, um, it's been a roller coaster mentally. And I'm only saying these things out loud. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm in a good place. I, um, I still like my kids. I think my <laughs> wife and I still like each other. Um, I'm, I don't know if my dad will ever learn how to use FaceTime, but that's nor here nor there. I can see up his nostrils, and I know his brain's working because that's how it looks. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'm, I'm just, I, I want to be upfront and honest. I think, and we need to do this in these times. And I'm not gonna get all Kevin Love on anybody. Um, but mentally, I think the big thing that we're going through all of us right now is how to wake up. I know we make all the jokes about every day is the same and, and all that other stuff. And it's true. Um, but I'll admit I've needed a, you know, I've needed a kick in the butt here and there over the last week or two. Um, not so much sitting around feeling sorry for myself, Zach, but just sitting around just kind of moping because, you know, it's like, what the fuck is next? What do I do yeah. next? What do I, you know, how many times? How many times can I ride my stationary bike, ride around the corner with my kids, play, you know, you know, uh, pop a shot with my kids, um, and not gain 300 pounds? Uh, I just, I'm, being, I'm being open and saying it. If you're going through that, and if you mentally are having moments where you're like, God, I'm going crazy, um, it's okay. That's natural. Um, that's a part of what we're going through. It's a part of what all of us are going through. And I think if you don't admit that and say it, then you're lying to yourself and lying to yourself right now ain't the thing to do. I always say in success and in life, you better have somebody, you ever have a no man, somebody to tell you no. Uh, and in this time of life and what we're going through, in my opinion, you need to be completely honest with yourself because um, it is a mental struggle and the people that can overcome the mental struggle are going to be all right when we get to the other side. So uh, find a way to be honest with yourself, find someone to talk to, Zach ain't got shit to do. So just he gave his number out a couple years ago. He really feeling down, calling him, texting. He probably has you blocked on Twitter already. So good luck on that. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you one thing I do, and I don't know if I listen to this or if I just started doing it, but every day I find a positive and I say it out loud. I don't care if I'm in my living room or my car by myself. I say it out loud. I filled up the gas tank for eleven seventy five the other day. That was my positive, right? Oh, like, that's a good one. Yeah. T- today, I took a nap for like forty minutes. Got up, took a piss, and took another nap. And under normal circumstances, <laughs> ten days before the draft, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that, right? But like I did. Right. So right now, I feel real good, and I feel real good, like physically and mentally. You know, probably as as good as I have. So so that's the positive, and it's like. Little things you talk to people. Well, I'm not putting miles on my car, you know, um, right. not, you know, not doing this like both for my work and my personal. And sometimes, you know, they intersect like people are answering for their sure. phones, you know, right. like because um, right. <laughs> they're they're available. They're, they're not yeah. judging 10 things. Exactly. And, 
And, you know, we work in the sports world and we don't know how that's going to go. And, you know, we'll see. And we've seen our coworkers furloughed. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, the only outright difference I know is, is you listen to the radio, the segments are longer because there's no advertisers and that's scary as shit. Right. Yep. Um, it scares me because I'm, I worked in the business and it, it's the first thing that jumps out to me. And you know that about me. Yeah. How long or how short commercial breaks tell me how much money's being made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I'm real fortunate with this draft, Dre, that, that I've had things to write, you know, um, right. haven't right. had to haven't had to write a bunch of cheesy bullshit things. One or two. That's fine. Um, I was reading Twitter an hour ago and people were like 18 tweet threads about the NFL's virtual offseason rules. I mean, nothing's worse than that, guys, but I kind of get it. Um, right. now I would say, like, we have to make people read our actual articles, guys. <laughs> um, but, you know, know, let me, but you know what, Michael Lee, who's one of my favorite writers in the athletic, and not because I already knew him before the athletics, but he wrote, like, to me, you guys have been writing about your favorite players, the players you grew up loving. Yeah. And Michael Lee, he wrote a great story about Magic Johnson. And if people at the athletic... Hey man, I ain't working. This is a good time to have the podcast. Anyway, um. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's start right there. So um, today is the thirteenth, I think, and I think our last podcast yeah. was April first. And I yeah. would say a couple times we just miss, we just missed each other. But um, a week ago tomorrow night, this is Monday night as we record this, I think. And I had to stop and double check, even though I know darn well Easter <laughs> Sunday was yesterday. It's and I'm sure you, a lot of you guys listening can feel us on that. So last Tuesday night um, is when we had the nasty storms, and there were multiple tornadoes. They were nasty. One of them ripped down 619 um, in the green area. Um, That's about a mile from where I live. It ripped through uh, a neighborhood in Barberton about three miles before it got to there uh, where several people that I know and care about live – I know people that didn't have electricity for 40 to 70 hours. Uh, I know people that got their houses crushed by huge trees. The golf course is still closed. The road is actually closed the next two days during the workday so they can finish removing trees and stuff. Um, I will just say this. I'm certainly no weather expert, right? But sitting there that night, it just sounded different, Dre. You know, like you could tell. It was oh, different. Yeah. And then um, the power had gone out. And so my phone was going in and out. But I was able to get on Twitter a little bit. And people were sent, people were basically tweeting the play-by-play they were getting from Mark Johnson and from the local weathermen. And they were saying, you know, Brunswick, it's coming. Wadsworth, it's coming. Barberton Green, it's coming. And, and so you could know. And I was texting with other right. friends that were like, that maybe live two miles away, three miles away. And they were like, holy shit, to the south or on the other side of my neighbor's house at the end of the block. I've You've never heard a sound like that, and it was crazy. And so I didn't have internet until Easter Sunday. Um, so anyway, uh, everybody's good. The winds today were scary. I don't think it did any damage. Yeah. Um, glad to be doing the podcast, and I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but uh, glad oh, you guys are yeah, listening so. as always and, and glad to be yeah. talking about it. Yeah, two things off of the things you said, because um, I actually pay attention now, because there ain't shit else to do but listen to you. Um, <laughs> first of all, as you said, and you, and I'm glad you did this, because I am going to talk to you about the draft and how, just how different it is and how you've covered them forever. We'll get to that, and how this is going to be one like never before. But you talk about being 10 days away from the draft and just having all this time on your hands, and that's not normal. No. Well, for me... In those moments that I was talking about where I want to get down and just kind of mope, um, Saturday night, because Jen, my wife is, and this is two stories that I make my wife a saint. She ain't perfect, but she's damn near perfect to deal with me. <laughs> um, and these two stories will t- tell you why. I mean, because with my kids are seven and five years old, and they had a, she showed me a picture from six years ago on Easter Sunday, Saturday afternoon, and the picture was of my kids. And I, and them getting ready to take me, and my parents and her parents, and her getting ready to take me to the airport to go to Houston to start my career as the Indian sideline guy or whatever. And my kids were miniature. You know, like my son wasn't even one year old yet. Well, they're still miniature. Um, Spoiler alert. But go ahead. Uh, 
I mean, I hope you mess around and make a mistake and have a kid so my kids <laughs> get their ass. Uh, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> only on this podcast will you hear anything like that. So, you know, she showed me that picture. I'm like, damn. She's like, and then she showed me once like two years after that where it was Easter, but I was home and we had a game. And that basically meant she had to choose between bringing her and the kids to the game. And then we go to dinner afterwards, but, but it's not like Easter that everybody else has. And it's not like Easter that, and I'm not complaining, but it's not normal Easter that most families have that we were used to. But when you work in sports, you work around the sport. Uh, the sport doesn't work around you. So Saturday night, like it's time to get the Easter, you know, the kids, if you're listening, the Easter Bunny's just like Santa Claus. He's awesome. It's crazy how he can show up. And then it's freaked out AJ and Isabella so bad about germs and keeping clean and, and running away from people in five feet, six feet, that AJ on our walk just goes, honest, he goes very innocently, Mom, how's the Easter Bunny going to bring us our candy? Does he got a mask? Does he have gloves on? <laughs> and I got to tell you, they didn't know that Dad had had a couple beers before the walk. <laughs> I about pissed my pants laughing. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, Mom, how you going to explain this? <laughs> And Jen's like, well, you know, she goes, the Easter Bunny, he should be clean. He'll be all right. And he goes, well, I don't know if we should have the Easter Bunny in the house, Mom. If he is, if he doesn't have gloves in the mouth uh, and something over his mouth, that's not really safe, right, Mom? And Jen's like, yeah, you're right. Well, it hit me later on that night when it was time to put the baskets together on Saturday night that my lazy ass has never done this before <laughs> for my kids. Right. Like, I'm not, like, I've never put a basket together, Zach. Like, I've never, like, like – I'm like looking at her. I'm like, so where's the, where do you put the bunny in? Where, and, and as I'm eating the candy, of course, she's like, you got to stop eating it. They got to have something in their baskets. I'm like, dude, there's a whole thing of jelly beans. I go, they're going to be fine. She goes, you're going to eat the shit after they get it. Wait. So I had to cover up all the wrappers and act like the Easter Bunny didn't eat it all before they got them. <laughs> but I woke up Sunday and really since then, the light bulb went off my head to get over it myself because I got to have a whole Easter with my kids yesterday. And that's something that I've never gotten before like this, where I wasn't waking up, you know, finding their baskets, you know, having breakfast with them and then rushing to the ballpark and be like, all right, see you guys at dinner at six o'clock. Um, I appreciated that. I appreciated that big time. Uh, and I needed it, to be completely honest. I needed that moment. Then you go back to the tornado. Um, and this is probably why I moped a little bit last week, because you know, this, like the whole thing, it's like the whole thing is just, it is what it is. Whether you're going to work and you're essential or whether you're unessential or whether you're watching friends lose their jobs and you're watching friends freak out or family members freak out um, or you're watching, you know, the, the daily, you get drinking wine with the wine at two o'clock and all that other crazy shit. And then, the, you know, before I know it, we watch the news, the news goes off and suddenly Jen's like, we got to go down to the basement. We got to go wake up the kids. This thing is coming. And I'm like, nah, we're all right. And then one of our neighbors texted and was like, hey, did you hear that the tornado is about to hit, you know, it's gone through Brunswick and it's about to hit 18. And 18 is literally five minutes from my house at most, Zach, right? Like, yeah, at most. Not yeah. that far away. At most. And then I can watch, you know, we can watch TV on our phones. So Jen's like, go get the kids. And on one of the iPads, pull up, you know, pull up the news. And let's get down to the basement. Let's get to our safe spot. Now, I got to be honest with you. I ain't done a tornado drill since like the fifth grade. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, we really got to go to the basement? And she's like, yeah, dumbass. That's where you go. And I'm just like, all right. So then the next report we hear, Zach, is that it's hitting it like, it's sort of like the wind. And somebody sends us a picture literally from my daughter's elementary school, which is two minutes away from our house. Mm -hmm. And then our next door neighbor is texting. And they're freaking out. Then our internet goes out. And I've got our TV on, and I won't say which uh, other person will watch it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids are kind of freaking out because they can see and my, I'm a, my mom lives in Cop. My mom and sister live in Copley. My dad lives 10, 10 minutes away from me in Fairline. And my mind starts, and I'm usually pretty low-key about everything like a trait that I got from my dad where you just you lay low on everything you freak out when you got to freak out but it's hitting me as we're watching it I go I'm gonna fucking die watching blank tell me how bad it is like I can't fucking feel it see it hear it and look at it and I kind of mumble that to Jen 
and she's like texting her parents, and she's texting the next door neighbor, she's texting my mom to tell my mom what's going, what we have. And I look at my daughter's eyes, and I and she goes, "Dad, should we be scared?" And I got to tell you, that was the kick in the balls and the kick in the balls, because I realized, and I know this already, my kids read your kids read everything off of you. And I realized right at that moment, Zach, that I was like, I got to buckle up and get over my own shit. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to them. Like, they're like this because they can tell how frantic my wife was and I was. And I go, no, it's cool. This is going to pass 1145. I was like, matter of fact, let's go to our papa shot. Let's have a let's let's have a tournament right now. So if a tornado would have happened, there's the lights are flickering in my house and there's all the Wadsworths and there's noises we've never heard going off. I'm playing Papa Shot with my kids, playing playing trolls music, because <laughs> I was like, I gotta make them, I gotta make them happy. I can't sit here and just watch, watch the end of the world happen and start crying and peeing my pants in front of my kids. I'm a man. I'm over forty, <laughs> and and literally after it passed our area, the first thing Jen said was, "Have you gotten a hold of Zach? It's headed his way." And then it's had it my parents' way. And I thought to myself, if me and Zach were on the other side of this, the last thing we would be thinking about is the next person is about to hit. <laughs> <laughs> but her first thing she thought was, it didn't hit us, but it may hit Zach, my, my aunt and uncle, and my parents. Make sure you get a hold of them. So that was a hell of a week. A hell of a start of the week. Yeah. Yeah, so there's still a tree down in my neighborhood across a side road. Um and, you know, I guess it's just it, – it's it's a side road, and thankfully it came out of someone's yard and fell away from the house. And where it fell across the road is not an empty lot, but it's a lot where the house is way back tucked in, so it didn't really affect anything. But, um, you know, when you come to my house, Trey, there's five five side streets in my neighborhood, five, five ways in and out. And right. on Wednesday morning, four of those five were blocked by – by yeah. trees down or something like that. So it was scary as shit. Um, Very. Well, the first thing we thought of, because our neighborhood is rather new, and it used to be full of trees, you know that because you drove by it on yeah. 21 a million times, they knocked all those trees down to build all these houses. Yeah. And first thing that hit me, because when we lived up in Fairview, we, had, we lived in a house that was over 100 years old. It had trees that were probably 60, 70 years old. And every time we had a storm, I, you know, you had that lump in your throat of, if something hits one of these trees, all oh, hell, you know, we're in trouble. Yeah. The first thing I thought when this happened last week was, well, there ain't no damn trees in our neighborhood. We should at least be okay with that because we knocked them all down to build these houses, thank God. Well, but your neighborhood is full of trees. And, and le- not only was it a legit tornado, and again, I'm, I'm far from a weatherman, but there were multiple. So um, if you guys are in the Cleveland or Columbus area and not familiar, I live on the Manchester Green border. I mean, the point of reference would be I live about four miles from Akron Canton Airport. So that and that happened at Turkey Foot Golf Course on 619, which is a mile, maybe two, um, either across the lake or or if you're driving, it's up the hill and around the corner. It's Dred goes by it when he goes back to his house in Wadsworth when he leaves mine. Um, but a tornado hit in Canal Fulton, which is probably four to five miles southwest of me. And then another one hit in East Sparta, which is probably 10 miles southeast of Canton. So, you know, 25, 30 miles from me. So th- there's no way that was the same. I mean, it was multiple tornadoes all within a half hour. I, I, Channel 5 had the video uh, of Brunswick, a funnel cloud looming yeah. over one of the neighborhoods out there. That's the one that headed your way. I mean, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. So, you know, I'm glad everyone's okay. Um, and, you I don't know, know it, religious, <laughs> right, I don't know how religious. Right, I don't know how religious anyone is, but I'll say this. Because I, I believe, but I'm not, I'll never stand upon someone and say they should believe what I believe or vice versa. But, man, when you know you're already going through this and then something like that happens, and then there was another tornado down through the south like yesterday during Easter, it does make you question shit of what in the world is going on in our world right now. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the sports world for just a minute before we talk about our, our meeting on Easter. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't see it um, because I was busy, but I, I guess I know that CBS replayed the Masters and then had Tiger, you know, on interview. That that's the old content I want to see, Dre. Like I can watch the other yeah. games for five minutes, and it can take me to where I was or who I was with or what I why I remember that that game 
right? But like, if I'm actually going to watch it, and I, and I didn't, um, that's what I want to see is the breakdown and, and the insight and the way you've never heard it away from the emotion uh, of all Absolutely. that. You know, you, and, and I appreciate the attempts for to put horse on or to do this. It's just it is what it is. We haven't had sports in a month, and, and we're waiting. Um, right. Last week. And maybe I'm wrong about this, that it was an intentional leak, but I don't think that I am. You know, baseball, someone in baseball let out a plan that had some holes in it about getting together and playing. And and it's obvious that every plan has holes in it because we're dealing with the unknown here on, on many levels. Mm-hmm. But I have to feel like that was a way to take the, the public's temperature and to see which holes are, are the biggest or, or the worst here. Right. Um, because right. this is reality, and, and I knew you were on the news tonight from talking with you about podcasting, so I had it on, and you had a couple of players talking about it. Um, guys aren't getting paid if there's no baseball, and owners aren't right. getting their TV money if there's no baseball on TV, and that's bad uh, mm-hmm. long-term in a lot of ways. So to me, and again, I'm not saying you know any more about any, anyone else, and there are holes and there are unknowns, but there's going to be a push to get these games played somehow, some way. And I don't know yes. where you're going to be. On, on, what, what is it today? April 13th? On July 13th, yeah, I don't yeah. know where you're going to be. Well, and I think this is – to go off that story, because you're, you're, you're right. There, I think there will be a – like, if there's a way, I think what baseball is doing, and you know, like, in working for the Browns and working around teams, I want to say this the right way. I don't want people – because there's always the asshole. Oh, you guys think you know everything. No, we don't know everything. But in your job that you used to have with the Browns, and in my jobs where I haven't worked directly for teams, there are times where they they want help throwing some things out there to see how the public reacts, right? Yes. Where you don't have the whole scenario planned completely out, but you want to know where the backlash may come from. And I took that story that was from Jeff, with ES- Jeff Patson from ESPN, Solon Boy, um, I, he threw that. He threw like there's so much like there's so much out there, and baseball has no idea what they're going to be able to do or not be able to do. That I think that sometimes it's like you give enough information so you can get a feel for okay, what are people most worried about? Like there's no way in the world you can send 30 teams and all the administration and different people that need to be there and send them there for four or five months and, and, and put them in a bubble. Like, you really think players are going to just go to their hotel room and to the ballpark for four months straight? Like, yeah, right, and be away from their families. But I think they have to throw things out there right now to get reactions, to see how people are, to see, okay, hey, this is the scenario we're at, players. You you want to get paid. We want to pay you. But to get paid, we're going to have to do some extreme shit that's never happened before. Um. And at first, and, and let's be honest, Zach, for somebody in my role, I'm in the roller coasters, everybody else. When you first see the headline, you're like, yes, let's get back. Let's go. And then as you read the story, it's like you just keep poking holes in it. You're like, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. Um, this is where we're at with these scenarios. To me, and here's what I would say without, you know, knowing more than anyone else because I don't. To me, I get getting, I get it. I get paid a rate per game. I get wanting to get 100 games in, 110 games in. But wouldn't you be better off? just seeing if you could get 80 games or 82 games in rather than try to force 100 with the way this thing is set up. If you could just say, hey, in July, and look, I don't want to wait till July to work. But when you read about this virus and what they're dealing with and what it's going to take to get testing, and neither one of us work for CNN, Fox News, or any of those other ones, I just think that it takes so much to get testing and things like that. And I think the question is, and I think this goes for our job and it goes for the draft as well. There is an outpouring of people in the game, outside of the game. My mother-in-law called me tonight after I did the news. And we were talking, FaceTime, and getting the kids to bed. She was just like, and she works in the library. She's been furloughed. She's, and she's like, Andre, thank you for doing what you did on the news tonight. She goes, all my friends want to know is what are the players doing? How do they feel? Um, we see the news, and all we keep getting is the same stories. We know what's going on. We've all lost our jobs. It's nice just to see the players are active and they want to play. And that she's like, please keep doing more stories like that. I think at the end of the day, I keep weighing out is the importance of entertainment for people going through something like this outweigh the importance of the health matters that are at hand. And I'm not saying you go all willy-nilly and say, screw it, and just go play the game. I think you know what I mean, Zach. Like, the NFL, I haven't been all for everything they've done 
since this all started. And I think the draft is going to be willy-nilly, to say the least. But it is giving us something to look forward to, and it does throw my mind off when I need it thrown off. And I sure. appreciate that. Sure, but back to the realities of it. Um, I think last time when we talked about if there's no college football, that there's no coming back from it. If anything, I think we understated that, right? Yeah. And, and again, sure. it's not our place to play doctor, uh, projector, um, <laughs> you know, how to get people back, what it looks like, when people can go back. I don't know. Uh, we're all for getting back to normal life on, on several fronts. The economic front, the sanity front, the, the this is what we want to do front. Uh, I think sports, those of us in the sports business, in a way, there's already some jobs lost that aren't coming back, right? Right. Um, right. That's and and that's that's not me saying the wages lost by the part-time stadium workers here, who they're definitely not going to have oh it for God. X amount of months, or or probably there's going to be no baseball at home stadiums. I mean, this is my question, Jerry, and this goes for all the sports. If you get back and can't have fans for a certain amount of time, like why why would you have games in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and eight other places? Like why wouldn't you come up with some sort of Arizona plan to make it more convenient, right? Because if if, right. if you right. can't have twenty thousand people there, then why would you do? Why would you be flying these teams around and doing that? You know, so right. Right. I mean, there's just so much to it, and and first and foremost comes the health, and then second after that comes getting people back to work and getting you know, economically back on track and getting to the next stage of whether it's a vaccine or whatever. Um, but, you know, we work in the sports business and the longer that there's no sports, the more we're all in trouble, the more we're all lost from a sanity standpoint, from a wanting yeah. to watch standpoint. I mean, if baseball could play on June 20th in Arizona or wherever, I'm watching, right? You're watching, right? right? Sign me up. Right. And, and you know, and I think that's part of how all the leagues feel, right? Like I know the NBA, the NBA is at the NBA and NHL, and I look, I, I I'd watch anything right now. I'd watch hockey from noon to, till midnight if I could. <laughs> like like I, I might, you know, I might knock a tooth out and say F it and go all out. Um, they all want to. Everybody wants to be, and and I think, and I always laugh at this because so many times leaders of of, of, of conferences and, and leagues. They'll say anything, but they, you know, they want to make money. Everybody wants to be the first one back to entertain and get everybody back to some normalcy in life, right? Mm-hmm. Like every, like everybody, like it'll be celebrated. I've watched that nine eleven, you know, after nine eleven, the Mets game where Piazza hits the big home run. Like we all want that to happen, and I would, I would love to be a fly in the room of the commissioners that are calling around and talking to people. And it was to me, it was very odd that the president talked to like all the big time commissioners last week. And after that's when the Jeff Passman story came out. Like every league, you know, like Adam Silver, everybody's like, oh, we, you know, we got a plan. We think we can do this. Um, you know, like, like, like hockey's looking at like North Dakota and like, and I'm not, you're like, I'm for it. It's amazing to me, though, how everybody, all these leagues want to come back. And what we've realized is like, you know, we all are kind of check to check, you know, one way or the other. And you really see how everybody, like it may be different in dollars, there may be more zeros, there may be bigger houses, smaller houses, but man, you cut off the economics of America. It slowly but surely it 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 hurts everyone, and the sports leagues are a small part or a microcosm of our world, but it shows like in that microcosm, if we don't have them, think about all the people that are getting hurt by not having them. You just said it, like state like the athletic had a great story about the Chicagoans that work in the ballparks splitting up a million dollars amongst all the people that work in the stadium. And when I originally say, hey, we're going to break up a million dollars for everybody, that sounds like, wow, that's great. You know, that's a lot of money. That should help a lot of people. But, Zach, after they start breaking it down, I start realizing it's a lot of money, but it ain't enough to, like, take care of. You know what I mean? Like, and I hate to say this in a weird way, but it's a lot of money, but it ain't enough to keep everybody just right either. So Andre's doing a hell of a job endorsing the athletic, um, unprovoked. And I just want to remind her if you guys aren't on board, um, there is a 90 day free ti- free trial. So all you do is click one of my articles, you sign up there and it's free for 90 days. And I hope by the end of those 90 days, we got some real sports to write about and some plans to return to write about. Um, cause in 10 days after the draft, I'm not sure what the hell I'm going to write about. I got <laughs> but, I'll blame um, him. 
but um, you know, we will see how how that goes. Um, I think I've done a real thorough job. I'm not sure who Andre's talking to right now. Um, <laughs> I only heard bits of what you just said there, but it was good. <laughs> I think the athletic has done a real thorough job of covering the draft um, from every angle. And you know what? Even if you're a kind of person that doesn't want to dive in, you might as well, because it's going to be on TV next week. And it's the only thing on TV. Um, unprecedented NFL network and ESPN are going to share one broadcast. It's going to be done from ESPN studio. Roger Goodell is going to announce the picks from his basement. Um, the way I understand hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. Yep. I never thought I never thought the commissioner of the NFL would be living and doing his work just like Zach Jackson. Yeah, amen. That tells you what 2020 is all about. Everybody's in their mom's basement and sweatpants. <laughs> it's good living. It's good living. My my collection is is paid dividends here these last few weeks. But they've picked 58 prospects, and my uh, understanding is they sent either one or two TV cameras to all of them, and they basically said, "Set them up in your living room, and we'll see what happens." So um, there's going to be some live TV. There's going to be some drama. Um, the NFL has ruled that teams cannot gather at all. The facilities are closed, every one of them, until further notice. So Andrew Barry is going to be uh, presumably in the condo where he has been put up temporarily by the Browns. Kevin Stefanski is back in Minnesota. Um, you know, the eight or ten other people that would be in the draft room will be in various parts of Cleveland. Some of you might say, well, at least the Haslam's won't be in the draft room to mess things up. I, I, I didn't say that. I said some of you might say that. Um, I think it's probably a good time to have your GM have a, a degree in computer science from Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that thousands upon thousands of dollars, not just by the Browns, but league-wide, have gone into phone installation and hardwire installations and all that. And let me just say, Dre, you got to hope like hell that one of these April storms doesn't come ripping through when it's time to do the draft. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I never thought of that. All right, here's a question. And if you're writing about this or if you want to write about this after I say this, don't answer it or you, you, you're a bullshitter. You'll bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you've, unlike many people that try to tell us how the draft works, and I know we all laugh because you and I have done a lot of fantasy football drafts, and over the last six years of other jobs, I haven't been able to be around for many drafts. So communication and who drafted and, and texting and being, people being hungover and people being in Vegas. Like we've all had fantasy drafts where we're, you know, on a computer, right? Yeah. yeah. But you've actually sat in a draft room when a real NFL draft is going on. Yep. And you mentioned the owners being in a room or, you know, hanger ons or whatever else to you, what will stand out? That'll be like, cause I'm asking this because this is a real question. Because you've actually been in a draft room during a draft. Yeah. What is the biggest, what's the most significant thing that will change without everyone being in the same room at the same time, in your opinion? Well, I think the positives, if you're looking at how it can help, less clutter. Like you said, the owner's bringing people in, just people being around. Or you've done this right. work for four months, Dre, or more like eight or 12 or 20 months. And so you don't want to be swayed. So I think in this situation... Right where you trust the work and you have 15 or 20 or 25 names and you know why you like those guys over the other guys. I think you right. I think that's the positives. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. the negatives are that every team builds a real draft board and some version of it, in some cases, multiple versions of it hang in the room when you do it. And the strategic uh, you don't just sit in the draft room. Like when we showed up to the fantasy draft last year and it's in Fetty's backyard, right? It's like whoever's there early gets the best chair, right? Whoever's right, logging the right, picks sits right. a certain place, right? Whoever's going to get up the most to piss or put a dip in or whatever's going to sit by the gate. Well, in an right. NFL draft room, the GM sits in a certain spot and whoever's responsible for answering the trade phone sits in a certain spot. And the salary cap guy has to be either within vision or earshot and the head coach is going to have a spot. And so, you 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 do count on all of those people. You know, I, I mentioned clutter, but there are a certain amount of people that are involved with every decision you make from logging it to the Colts are on the line to, hey, you got three minutes or, right. you know. The guy that scouted, the guy that scouted right. that area. All of a sudden, thoughts. and this happens every year to every team, all of a sudden some guy who's ranked 27th or 25th on your board is still there at the 50th pick, and you're wondering why, Right. 
And so you're thinking you were never going to think that he was in this spot. So now you start thinking about it. So now you got to go to your pro personnel coordinator and say, is he still going to be there in three picks? Are the Broncos going to take a linebacker? What do they need? Okay. What, why are we missing something injury here? Something in background? What are we doing? Okay. If, if we do take this guy, this isn't the position that we wanted. Who do we have? You know, how, who, who could we trade? Do we have a real, like all of these things go on in real time and they can still go on. But obviously, a face-to-face conversation in the heat of the moment is a lot easier than a series of phone calls. Yeah. So I think, and the only on, on top on top of that, keep going after I say this. If somebody from NFL Network or ESPN is listening, you should go in every break with the song. I got two phones <laughs> <laughs> because you're gonna need multiple phones to be good at this. Like right, like because what you just said, like you can't like because usually you're in the room and you're talking amongst each other. But like maybe you maybe you got a scout that's friends with a scout on another team, or maybe you got a buddy that that coaches at Alabama, or maybe you got. But right, that happens where you're in the room and you're like, "Hey, what about that kid from Auburn? What do you think about that kid?" And you can like text somebody or or call somebody while the meeting is still going. That's going to be different when everybody is talking, you know, yeah. on whatever system that we have now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that's a fascinating thing. All right, let's play a little American Fireworks Glory Days. Guys, American Fireworks is still open at AmericanFireworks.com. Um, give me an NFL draft you want to – or Browns draft you want me to tell a story about or remember a guy about. Oh, man. I want to go with – can we go all the way back to Jeremiah Farms? <laughs> well, yeah, so I was – I think I was still an intern then. Um, yeah, you were an intern then. I don't know if you wanted to. But I can tell you this. Okay. In, in this. this... Well, well, remember this. Remember this. There are some people that listen that heard that name and got giddy. There are others that are listening that have no idea because they're too young to know. And that was a long time ago. This was only the Browns' third draft back in the league. Okay. But this is a tone setter. A team that employed the former director of the Secret Service so it could have the tightest security and the best information for these circumstances did not know that a linebacker from the University of Washington, a fifth-round pick named Jeremiah Farms, was facing felony uh, robbery charges for multiple break-ins involving guns and things like that. And so the Browns drafted him. Uh, Oh, gosh, back then it would have been Saturday, Sunday, and it came out Mm -hmm. later that week he was arrested. Now... I will say that they were building such a case that that, that ultimately it came out that, that the cops just were not going to tell anyone, right? This was not like – because what happens right. with a lot of guys is they have an arrest in college, assault, drunken disorderly conduct, something like that. And teams dig in and find out. They go to the police report. They call the cop. They call uh, the campus security to start with, and they say, was this guy a problem, right? Um, right. So – they drafted a guy that not only never played a game, but he never made it to minicamp. He, he truly went to the California Penal League <laughs> because yeah. instead of the National Football League because the Browns drafted him. And unfortunately, that was a tone setter. Um, you know, that's the draft where the Browns had graded LaDainian Tomlinson super high. Yes. And upon- See, this, is why that, wait, wait, this is why A to Z is the shit. And I yeah. can say that because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. We didn't plan this. At all. No. And he knew exactly what I wanted to get to when I said Jeremiah Farr. And, and God upon, bless you. Butch Davis, you crazy man. Yeah, and, and as they really looked at the D-line, um, the scouts who had done the work, as I mentioned, for weeks and months and years in some cases, and certainly in this case, it, it, back then it was years of work because they knew they were a young team, an expansion team. Um, they said Richard Seymour is the guy you got to have. And on the morning of the draft, Butch Davis and Pete Garcia decided to take big money, Gerard Warren. Yeah. And again, we big talk about money. tone setting and you talk in the gift of 2020. And that's the thing in the draft, a 2020 hindsight, which brings me to my next point. But anyway, when a guy is already called big money and he played in college, that's a, that's a red flag. And well, he eventually was just draft season. We're in the draft season. Give the give the agency rule. <laughs> if a guy is a shithead, giving him seventeen million dollars, or in Big Dummy's case, thirty six, ain't gonna make him any <laughs> less of a shithead. And the Browns violated that rule that time and time and time again. After it's about that time that the scout told me that rule, and it's always stuck with me. And I'm glad to be able to bring it to this podcast. Yeah. Let me make one more point yeah. about the draft, okay. and I'm and I'm glad. I'm going to save one um, one inside the draft room story at least for later, uh, but I'm glad you brought that up. 
So we've had all these articles, and actually we did one at The Athletic. We did a 2017 redraft before any of this happened. We were just kind of setting the tone because after three years you can is when you can safely judge a guy, right? Right. Um, so between that and listening to podcasts of redrafts and, and all, all this stuff that's gone on, I just want to say, like, we got, we get caught, we get so caught up in it now and what you need right now and who can help right now and what you know about a guy or what you have to do. Like, at the core of it, if you just draft pretty solid players, most of the time that's going to pay off. Like, in this draft, in this epic receiver class, there's two or three guys who are going to be stars. And you would like a lot of guys who are Jarvis Landry, who was a third-round pick, right? Yeah. Like you, like, you would love a guy, Stephon Diggs, obviously, to be fifth round to whatever. But you would just like to draft a guy who's Tyler Boyd, who's Antoine Randall-L. Right, yeah. Devonte Adams, solid, second round pick. Player. Right, like, yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind. That doesn't mean we won't argue and get worked up and whatever. Um, that's just well, something to keep in mind as we go forward. Let me ask you this, because um, I'll admit, in this quarantine time, I don't react as uh, emotionally as I usually would towards yeah. certain things. Uh, the Andrew Barry press conference last week or whatever else, and I'm and look. A to Z is not killing anybody. He's new at the job. I hope he does great. But the comment that stood out right away, and I, and like I said, I didn't tweet about it. I didn't even text you about it. But I'm curious about it. Because in a way, I agree, but I, I don't agree completely. But I can see where he's coming from. The tackle conversation thing that he said. That, you know, like, he didn't put a big deal on left tackle, right tackle. And I get the initial thought process is the pass rushers are so good now that people, you know, if you're a great pass rusher, you're not gonna. You're not able to come out of the huddle and know where the great pass rusher is gonna be every play. Mm-hmm. It's been like that for 15 to 20 years, to be completely right. honest. When Strahan knew he could beat John Runyon up, he went to John Runyon's side. When he knew, you know, so it's not like he's saying something that like blew my mind. But it was the first time I heard someone that's actually doing the drafting, Zach, kind of come out and say left tackle, right tackle, are pretty much the same to me. I just want the same, you know, because we've both been around other GMs that are like, no, left tackle is premier. It takes different qualities. You need to be a little bit of a better athlete. You can't be a mauler type guy at left tackle. You got to have the quick feet uh, and also be able to have the strength. For Andrew Barry to say that, it made me it made me pause for a second, but it also made me think: Is he setting himself up to possibly trade if the guy that he thinks will be a little bit later in the draft will be? Like I looked at it from a lot of different sides. I didn't want to take it for face value of all these tackles are the same. I don't I don't know. So I'm asking you: What was your initial? thought when you heard the, the guy that's going to be making the decisions for the Browns say that. Well, it was his first jump off the page quote, right, in, in all his availability. Right. So that's why it's notable. But I honestly think, A, he was just trying to answer the question in a way of saying, guys, I'm not going to sit here and break down every player that we like and don't like because that would be giving it away, right? Right. And right. he was also saying, like, I'm Jack Conklin is our right tackle, but Jack Conklin – was a left tackle in college who was good enough to go in the top 10 of the draft. So let's not get caught there. Right. And sure you're right with the, the pass rushers. It did stand out. And Joe Thomas has said otherwise. And frankly, I think Joe Thomas probably knows more about playing NFL left tackle than Andrew Barry. Right. No but doubt. <laughs> I actually talked to our, to our buddy, Tom Reed about this today, about that quote and about some of the things we're doing. And I said, Tom, I, I just don't think it's a huge deal because first of all, they might, they might take a true left tackle, but you know, teams do move their pass rushers and like you look at Jedrick Wills who might be the best of this group and again we don't know and I'm so tired of you guys acting like you know everything it's freaking offensive line play I mean come on um let, all right I'm back Jedrick Wills played right tackle Jedrick Wills played right tackle for a left-handed quarterback so that you know that's that's different to start with right um yeah and uh, yeah it, it, it was I would just say this it was Andrew Barry's first jump off the page quote and in two weeks and then in two years we might have to revisit it or they might just take a guy that's always played the left and we'll never revisit it so just just to me um part of the process a lot of things get said a lot of things get studied um to me dre you know i think that's a lot of the not the the lack of maybe sizzle for this draft here in cleveland first of all people are tired of all the change Second, third, and fourth of all, people got real-world concerns right now. And yeah. fifth of all, 
Like they're drafting a tackle, so what really is there to argue about? <laughs> you know, right, right. Like, that's just kind of it's just kind of how it is. It's not a sexy argument to argue about tackles. Yeah, even though we have some that will. Yeah, um, there's listen, yeah, like you said. If Joe Thomas says something about an offensive lineman, my ears perk up. Yes. When about ninety-eight, when ninety-five percent of the rest of the world says something about tackles, I go about eating my bonbons and eating my Easter candy. Yeah. Here's the rub. Yeah, I I would say here's the rub with the whole thing. You know, the Browns are operating like they're ready to win now, and and they're the one spot they're missing on offense is a left tackle. You know, your draft, they're probably going to draft a twenty-one-year-old left tackle, and he's going to have growing pains. Right, and he especially right. if it's Tristan Wirfs who started their three games out of a three-year college career and turned twenty-one two months ago. Yes, you worry about that. However, in the long run, when you look at the scope of the number ten pick and why you draft one and have him under team control for five years and let him grow with you and hopefully finally keep some people, some coaches, some front office people, and let him grow together, it really doesn't matter because if he can play tackle and he's a good player, he'll eventually be a really good player. So that that that's what it is. I know um, for you, not to speak for you, but this is one of your favorite times of the year as mm-hmm. a writer. How um, how much of a kick in the balls has it been not to do with? And you're not like you don't. It's not like you're trying to. It's not like you do 18 mock drafts like some people that shouldn't have the jobs anymore. But you like finding the stories where these kids come from, finding the local stories. Um, you you have an abundance of coaches and guys that you just know around the league that you're able to kind of put information together with. Mm-hmm. How weird is it not to be on college campuses and kind of finding stories? Like, you made me call Darnold Darno for like <laughs> six months because you went to California. Like, I just, I'm just, i saying this as, because there's certain things about our lives you're not going to brag about because it's about you. Um, I know this is the time you thrive usually. So yeah. how different has this been and how difficult has it been? Well, I was supposed to fly to Iowa um, to go to Tristan Wirfs Pro Day and spend a couple days in his hometown. And I was supposed to fly back um, to Columbus to then drive to Kentucky to spend a, to, to go to my Kai Becton's pro day and then go to Kentucky's pro day the next day. Um, so obviously all those got canceled and it didn't work out. So that is disappointing. Um, last week, the reason I had to fill my tank for 1175 is I drove out to Youngstown and I sat at an appropriate social distance on Lynn Bowden's grandmother's front porch. And talked about life and football with Lynn Bowden, who I think might be the next Josh Cripps if he gets drafted to the right system. Uh, so I'm still trying to do that. And that, that, that story will come out later this week. But you're right, it has been totally different. And, you know, I, I would say the good news, Dre, is coaches and scouts I know, they're, they're on their phones. So I can get them to answer questions for me about a guy or, you know, what they feel, what they hear, you know, what they've been. And frankly, they're reading everything too. But, like, they're yeah. legitimately saying – like, we don't have a 40 time on this guy. We don't have updated medicals on this guy. Like, we, wow. you know, it's been harder for them. Say a guy's fifth or sixth in line running the Browns or the Eagles or the Texans or whoever, whoever it is, right? He's going to get over the course of a draft process, Dre, what, four, five, six chances to really stand up for someone, right? right. And that's going to be based on the tape, which it should be about. But, like, when he makes that case and there's a question about that kid's background or that kid's injury history, or he's, he's super explosive, but he's tiny. Like the kid from Penn state, KJ Hamler, he, KJ Hamler, yeah. he, he freaking can score touchdowns, but he's five, eight and a buck 75 when they don't have official times on him. So can you take right. that guy in the second round? No, but he can fly. Well, right. I know what you're saying, but no, this is a great, but what you just yeah. said is great. Because that's what's going to happen on draft day. Yeah. There are guys who are going to go, yeah, he can fly, but you're, and another guy's going to go, yeah, but you can knock him over with the wind. Right. <laughs> right. So. And then, then the question is, can we put weight on him? Can, will he still be fast? He's yeah. With weight. Is he, yeah. Is he Jordan Norwood or is he Gerald McNeil? Exactly. You know? <laughs> wow. Wow. Those are some names. <laughs> <laughs> well, one with the Penn State, both play for the Browns, and both were small. It, yeah. And listen, like. You know, eventually you pick a guy and he becomes, he fills that role and, and scores big touchdowns for you. It was a home run pick. But, like, in the second round next week, this Browns team has to nail that, right? And, and they're not right. going to take a receiver in the second round, certainly not a 5'8". When I would think, I'd be shocked. They got defensive needs. So that's kind of the rub is there's about three starting jobs open on defense. There's only one on offense. It's probably going to be a 21-year-old kid. So – 
Can he play left tackle from day one, especially without an offseason or with an abbreviated offseason? That's a hell of a question to ask. Can, can that, should that affect your long-term thinking? No. But is it going to in some case? I don't know for the Browns. But is it going to in Certain some cases? Sure. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this. Um, because of the situation we're in, we may have the least, and I've been thinking this for a couple of weeks, and this is me thinking positively that football will start on time, but obviously without OTAs, mini camps, and things of that nature, this the draft of free agency may be, I want to say this the right way, it may not have the effect that it usually has because I think the best teams are going to be veteran teams that already know how to do it. Because if you're implementing Browns, you're implementing new offense, new system, new ways of doing things, um, you're not going to get a lot of time to put everything together. And you're not going to get a lot of time to develop that fourth-round, fifth-round pick um, that you usually would get. Because let's be honest, in the, normal, in the normal dates and times, you draft a guy next weekend, you get him into your facility four or five days later. You can put him on a weight program or the system that you think that you can put him on. So by August 1, you at least have that guy with the knowledge. You know, like you can give him a, a real reason why he's going to be on the team or not. Now it comes down to you may not see that guy on in your facility if you're lucky. Yes. Early July, mid July. Yeah. Um, it's going to change the game, Zach. It's going to change the game. If you have to play Chris Hubbard at left tackle for eight or twelve or sixteen games, you're probably going right back to the top ten of the draft. However, right. I think part of the reason the Browns didn't cut him is they know they're going to have to have a green left tackle in a situation where that guy's not going to get any off season. So you got to plug in a guy. Or you got a group, you know, wh- why would you let Chris Hubbard go for nothing when he's played six NFL seasons and has played every spot on the line, right? Maybe right. not well, right. but he's done it. He's right. already on your payroll. He's right. already in your facility. He's willing to take the cut. I-, I-, I think it might not matter, and the Browns hope it doesn't. But that, to me, was a really shrewd move that could pay dividends later. It-, it-, it really could. All right. It really could. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I'll, I'll save the rest of my my draft thoughts uh, for later. Right. Let's let's talk about Easter. Right. I got to get out of here, so let's yeah, talk let about Easter. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me let me. I'll start by you start. I, I kind of told an Easter story earlier. Um, I don't get to be around my family a lot usually on Easter, and I'm not complaining. The one saving grace that I continue going back to, whether I'm trying to cheer up my friends or whether I'm trying to cheer up myself, is I'm getting a lot of time with my kids at an age that's and anybody that's a parent out there, they know this. Um, seven and five years old, like my daughter is, my daughter is freaking grown up. She's, she's a lot and I love it. And she's smart as shit. My son is in a different age stage as well. So I've got to see a lot of things with my kids that I usually don't see. Usually we have these great spring trainings together. They know it towards the end of spring training. Dad's about to be gone. Even when he is home, you know, he's here for us with breakfast. And then we don't see him, you know, I see him in the morning and see him in the afternoon when school's out. And that's about it. Then I leave again. It is hard. Um, but it's our normal, if that makes sense. And, and our normal is, you know, and I'm sure my kids, there are days in the middle of the afternoon, my, I'm sure my kids are like, when the fuck is baseball going to start? I'm sure my kids feel that way. And I feel the same way at times. Um, so there's been a lot of different things. We've got a lot of close family um, and the, way, the reason it, it's worked so far with me doing baseball is because my wife's parents are great. Her family's great. My parents are great. Uh, we've got a lot of family, a lot of kids their age that they get to play with and get to be around. And the hardest thing about this whole quarantine thing, forget me and forget money and forget everything else. It's been watching my kids not be able to play with all their family and friends that they usually get to be around. And it's, it's, it's that's worn me out more than anything else. And Zach knows that. Zach knows that my wife has been strict about my kids haven't really, my kids haven't played with any other kids. They play with me and they're sick of playing with me and I'm sick of playing with them, whatever. We all know that. Um, they just haven't had a lot of things that they normally get. Um, and it's been hard on them. It's I'm just like, it's been hard on a lot of other kids. And Zach, somehow, some ways he'll tell you came up with some brilliant idea um, <laughs> that probably traumatized my kids and make them never want to see the Easter Bunny again. <laughs> So, so to make a pretty long story short, um, this was early in the quarantine, and we were driveway socially distanced drinking with our friends. And um, my lovely girlfriend Mindy was talking with a friend, and they were like, you know, this Easter is going to be so different. Mindy comes from a big family; they all get together, and um, you know, 
it's just it's it's not going to be the same. And so someone I don't know who, joking maybe it was Mindy. She said maybe Zach will dress up as a rabbit, and we will do some sort of abbreviated alternate world uh, egg hunt. And I said, yeah, maybe. So you know, whatever. I was was standing in a driveway drinking claws. So <laughs> back in the real world, the next day or so, uh, Mindy has an Amazon Prime account and like was locked out of it. I don't know. Couldn't password expired or the debit card had expired and had to try to had to call. They couldn't couldn't get on online and couldn't get it resolved online. But kept calling and the line the the, the waits kept being like an hour and a half because everybody in the world's dealing with Amazon right now, right? So. I'm cleaning my house, like going through stuff. What do I need to say? What do I need to do? And I find this Amazon gift card. I don't know when I got it, how I got it, whatever. But I give it to her and I say, hey, um, whatever it is that you're trying to buy, when you get it resolved, just use this. Like, here you go. So she logs on and we start looking at bunny suits. (laughs) And, of course, there's like the $150 bunny suit model. And then there's like the $20 and $38 ones, right? And I'm like, listen, if you want to do it, I'll dress up and do it. Whatever. Make some people laugh. I said, but the cheap ones, it's probably not going to fit my fat ass. I can't imagine it's going to be worth a crap. It'd probably break coming out of the box. So it shows up and we open it up and we're like, oh my gosh, let's, let's do this. So I tell Andre, Hey, I'm sure you guys are going to be home on Easter. You've been home for four weeks. Um, Uncle Zach might stop by in an Easter suit. And he, he laughed, but I don't know if you really thought I was going to do it or not. <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes you get on the claw, we talk a lot of shit. <laughs> That's rich for you to say somebody talks a lot of shit. <laughs> so anyway, so I got, <laughs> I got a box of claw and threw it in the back of the car. And Mindy, bless her heart, made bags of candy eggs for different groups of children, starting with the Knott family. And we got in the car and drove to Wadsworth. And we stopped in the neighborhood. I was half-dressed in my suit. We pulled in a random house in Andre's neighborhood. It didn't look like anyone was home. I put on my full bunny suit. <laughs> I called Andre and said, get your phone ready. He calls me. Get, get your phone ready. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. So we pull about two streets over. We pull up, and I look in the door, and there's the Knott family, you know, combined 11 foot 7 among the four of them. And AJ is just looking at me. He's looking at the bag in my hand, and he's just thinking, man, there's probably some candy in there for me. And Bella is looking at me like, what in the world is going on? So when I tell you I hop out of the car, like I literally hopped out of the car. Yes. And that's why I didn't tape it because I was like, what is he doing? So Andre is laughing so hard he couldn't record it. So I had in my hand two white claws and a bag of eggs full of candy for the kids. So I came up. I reached in, I dropped the bag for the kids, I dropped a white claw for dad, I popped the other white claw, I stone-colded it, and I hopped back to the car. And over the course of the next couple of hours, we repeated this at four or five of our other friends' houses. Um, Only one of them knew I was coming at all, just called and said, hey, be there in five minutes, want to drop off something for the kids if you want to leave the door open or open your garage or however you want to do it. I hopped around, drank some claws, everyone left, and we, even though we didn't get the full video, which would have been hilarious, we still got enough still pictures and a little bit of video to make a laugh on Instagram. So I set out to make some people laugh on Easter, and darn it, I succeeded. And that's my good deed for the year 2020, and we thank you for listening to the A to Z podcast. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, and the best thing is he drives off, and you can see the shock in Bella's face. Bella's like, just like, what the hell just happened? AJ goes, D- AJ goes, and this is how I know he's my son. Dad, the beer rolled off into our garden. <laughs> he's like, Dad, you got to get the beer. It, it fell off. <laughs> I'm like, and you're like, yes, I will. I will get it. I will get yeah. it, son. Thank and then you. As I go out to get it, as I go out to get it, AJ goes, hey, grab a bag of candy, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was needed. It was much needed. It was appreciated. Um, in this day and time with everything that's going on, yeah. A moment like that where you're not worried about anything else and you can just actually have a real belly laugh, um, it's appreciated. They got the Knott family to laugh like we haven't laughed in over a month. So, so we thank succeed. you very much. Hey, guys, uh, what's going on at the Plain Dealers and Abomination? Our friends at Cleveland Scene have been all over it. They need your clicks. Deliver it. Our friends at the Honeymoon yeah. Grill, they're open every single day for online and curbside and all of that. 
Uh, look them up. Go there if you're in the area. American Fireworks have been very good to us. They've been very good to A to Z listeners. They're still open. Uh, buy a gift card for later. Or, shoot, if you're going to be stuck at home, hopefully the weather's going to turn here in the next week or so. Buy some fireworks. AmericanFireworks.com. We thank you for listening. We got our, uh, I got my internet back. The weather's going to stink. We're not going anywhere. We promise we'll have another podcast for you later this week. Thank you, honestly. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you guys so much. Hey, what we said in the beginning is real. If, uh, call Zach up. Text us. Tweet <laughs> us. Um, it's, it's real. But we're going to be here. We're going to survive. Uh, and if you mess with us enough, we got an Easter buddy that's going to show up and scare the shit out of your kids. <laughs> Can you see Easter buddy? <laughs> we'll see you next time on ASC. <laughs> <laughs>